You're listening to the E2C Network, podcast by Auburn fans for Auburn fans. Brought to you by the Auburn Uniform Database. Visit them at auburnuniforms.com. War Eagle Auburn fans, welcome to Hitchcock Hecklers, your source for Auburn baseball news and discussion. Part of the E2C Network, a family of Auburn podcasts. I'm your host, Chandler Fullman, and I'm joined alongside tonight with my co-host, Clint Richardson. Since our last episode, had a, has continued to to have a, a rough rough go of things. The Tigers went one and three on the week um, with a loss to Jacksonville State early on in the week, but we covered that in our last episode. Um, of Hitchcock Hecklers. So if you want to hear about that, the Jacksonville State game, you can go listen to that one. But on this episode, we're going to cover the weekend series versus Texas A&M, where the Auburn Tigers went one and two. Uh, they now sit at 24 and 12 overall and eight and seven in the SEC. So Clint, why don't you get us started uh, with Friday night's game and uh, tell us how it went. Friday night wasn't really a bad game. Auburn ended up losing four to nothing. Uh, Tanner Burns got the start as expected. Went six full innings, had 95 pitches, so efficiency is still not his strong suit at the time. Gave up three runs on five hits, walked one Aggie, but struck out seven. Um, Blake Scalashi and Will Morrison came in to finish out the game, and I think both guys really played well. Uh, Blake gave up the the final run for Texas A&M in uh, one inning of work. And then Will Morrison sat down only through nine pitches. So, you know, you still see a little bit of weakness in the pitching staff, but I think the big issue is the bats. Auburn just can't seem to get bats going at times. And Auburn had seven hits on the game, but they left seven batters on base. And, that resulted in what I think only the second shutout of the Auburn offense all season. Yeah, I mean, anytime, anytime that you allow only four runs, uh, your team should have a chance of winning, um, no doubt. But the Tigers bats, they man, they just continued to struggle, and it's it's sad to see. But at the same time, you have to give credit to Texas A&M pitcher uh, Don Do- John Doxakis. Um, who was on the U.S. national team this summer with Tanner Burns? Um, those two guys are really good friends. So, but you got to give credit to him as he went eight eight innings and had six strikeouts. So, tip the cap to him and um, just tell him good job. But uh, from the plate, on a positive note, Judd Ward and Stephen Williams did have two hits apiece. So, good to see uh, Stephen try to get on. Uh, track and try to get his bat going because boy is it needed. Steven's kind of starting to get himself out of that slump and honestly I think moving him down in the lineup has really helped. Auburn has really played around with the lineup this season and Steven Williams went from batting third to now he's hitting eighth and Judd Ward has batted anywhere from first to ninth. Um, I don't really know if Auburn's just still trying to figure out the perfect lineup at this point but they're they're not afraid to play with it and I think you have to really respect that in the coaching staff to just try anything they can to get a win out of this team yeah definitely um but as you were saying they're just playing around with the lineup 
But one lineup that I really, really liked, and it was Saturday's lineup, Will Holland at leadoff. And, you know, he struggled a little early on, but he's gotten things, been getting things going recently as well. And he is also a home run threat for that leadoff hitter. So that's, that's nice to have in a leadoff hitter. And then Kaysen Howe, great number two batter, has a high batting average. Edward Julian in the throw, Connor Davis in the four, Judd Ward in the five, Rankin Woley in the six, Ryan Bliss in the seventh, Stephen Williams in the eighth, Matt Scheffler in the ninth. And I like this batting lineup um, because of Stephen Williams' power um, in the eight hole. You have one of your strongest, most powerful bats that low in the lineup, but I still feel comfortable with number one through seven in order to get on base and um, provide Steven with uh, being able for him to get RBIs, you know? Yeah, I I agree with you. I think that moving him down isn't a detriment to his bat. It's, you know, it's, you've got power throughout the entire lineup. And while Auburn hasn't been amazing from the plate this season, and especially the last month or so, there are still no easy outs. And while I think Judd Ward was a, pretty decent leadoff batter he just wasn't getting enough pitches on pitchers you know he was a very impatient batter and wanting to hit the first and second pitches that came his way and that's not really what you need out of a a leadoff batter and I think Will Holland has pretty much done what you need unfortunately in the Saturday game he goes 0 for 5 with two strikeouts and you know I don't know if it's the pressure of being you know a preseason All-American, expected to be a top five pick in the draft this season or what, but the pressure has just really gotten to him, and he's just not been the same Will Holland that we've seen previously. But I think that he's still a really good ball player, and you know we talk about it a lot, that when you're not at your best, but you're still pretty good, that's a really good place to be. Yes, um, and I think we've mentioned on a f- previous episodes how Tanner Burns – um, has that strength and can be on can have an off night, but still um, look as good as many SEC pitchers. But moving on to Saturday's game was way better. Auburn won seven to nothing, so reversal of the shutout. Um, they shut out Texas A&M on Saturday uh, behind an excellent start by Brooks Fuller. Uh, Got to tip the hat to the kid, um, kid out of Auburn, Alabama, from Auburn High School, and. Um, he went six innings, had four strikeouts, and only allowed four hits. So, I mean, I think it's no argument. Brooks Fuller, best career outing, would you say? Absolutely. And I, I think that we really saw Brooks grow up on Saturday. You're in one of the best, most hostile atmospheres in college baseball. You're going up against a top 15 team in Texas A&M in a program that's pretty much a powerhouse at this point and to go out there and shut them down I mean Texas A&M doesn't have the best bats in the conference in the country but they're still good enough to be 12th in the country so I think Brooks had a spectacular outing Um, you know like you said six innings four hits no runs really need to get Auburn pitchers to be better at walking players three waltz is not what we need going forward and you know six innings and 93 pitches isn't really that bad for 
a guy like Brooks. I'd like to see Tanner get that number down, but I think Brooks is a, you know, a young guy can, can kind of play with that and it will come down in the future. But if, if Brooks is able to replicate this kind of outing and, you know, even 90% of this outing, he's going to be that missing link that Auburn's really hurting for right now. Yes, I 100% agree. Um, I would take this outing 10 out of 10 times um, on a Saturday from Brooks Fuller. Continuing pitching, I guess we should. Uh, Ryan Watson came on for two-thirds of an inning in the seventh inning. He got two outs. And then the final out was credited to the bull, Cody Greenhill. And he also pitched the eighth and ninth inning um, to go two and a third. and he uh, finished the game throwing hit or pitching hitless baseball. So just a great, great day um, on Saturday from, from Auburn. And it really got started there in the first inning. Um, we got a few guys on base and then Connor Davis comes up and hits a three run shot. And that really set the tempo and set the uh, tone of things um, for the day. But, you know, I, I think we need to brag on, Connor Davis for a little bit, you know, this is a guy who he's a junior, right? Yes, that's correct. You know, he comes in as a freshman. He's a big guy and he's, you can just see the power that he's got to bring to the plate as a freshman. He only had one home run, but it was a meaningful home run, a walk off against South Carolina, but he really hasn't done a whole lot at the plate. You know, he's a, he's a decent first baseman. He's a decent outfielder. But he's really in the lineup for his bat, and it's been, you know, I think he only had three or four home runs coming into the season. But he's got, I think, four home runs on the year now, including a grand slam at UAB. And this is this is what you wanted out of 24. And he's finally, you know, I guess he's just caught up to the speed of the game at this level. But, you know, he's he's really making it hard for the coaches to pull him out of that DH spot for Everett Lau at this point and I don't think anybody really saw that coming coming into the season so really good job this season by Connor Davis and and keep it up yes uh, I echo that and um, great shout out there for Connor Davis but uh, from the plate on Saturday Ryan Bliss uh, Stephen Williams continues his hot streak Um, Matt Scheffler and Kaysen Howe all had two hits apiece so uh, the offense was spread around. The wealth was spread around a good bit. Good pitching, um, g- good hitting, and just a great solid day of baseball uh, led to the 7-0 to zero sh- uh, shutout for Auburn. That leads to the rubber match on Sunday. Um, and unfortunately, it didn't go Auburn's way. But I do think there were many positives to take from Sunday um, just because – um, it wasn't the normal Sunday SEC uh, 20 to 15 game that we saw at <laughs> Mississippi State. I mean, that's not normal, but Sunday games are usually more high scoring. Um, but, but I think the, the pitching deserves a shout out from Sunday with Richard Fitz going three innings, Elliot Anderson going four and two thirds, and then, um, I can't remember who got that final out of the day, but um, Ryan Watson, Ryan Watson, but huge shout out to Richard Fitz and especially Elliot Anderson going four and two thirds um, of one run baseball and 
can you say how important it was um, to save to save Elliot for Sunday's game? Because if we wouldn't yeah, have I, had Elliot, then things could have gone south fast. Well, to be honest with you, I was kind of surprised Saturday when I saw um, uh, Cody Greenhill out because I'm so accustomed to seeing him on Friday and it being Tanner and Cody as a one-two punch. But Auburn has done really well this weekend to save the pitching arms and only three guys played in each of these games. And, you know, maybe Auburn's just finally coming around to finding the right personnel to manage the bullpen at this point because, you know, we've seen them struggle a lot this year in that sense. But, um, you know, I, I think it, Elliot Anderson did have a good outing, but there was one pitch and unfortunately it gets credited to Richard Fitz final stat line, but Elliot left a fastball up in uh, the strike zone in the you know bottom of the fourth inning. And the A&M Aggie just he smashed it over the, the outfield wall for a big home run. And that was really the deciding factor in this game. A&M put up a four spot in the fourth. Auburn only scored one in the third. And, you know, that, that one pitch just changed the game. I think it was a three-run home run. And, you know, it's, it's, it's such a close game otherwise. And I think Auburn played really well to keep it at just that uh, differential in the score. And, you know, unfortunately, one pitch is all it takes to, to kind of break it loose. And, and it was Texas A&M who was on the good side of that. Yeah. Um, and one thing that I was thinking about when while we were talking about Richard and Elliot there was I want to give a shout out um, to the A&M fans. The, they were really rowdy and um, – I don't I don't know if I would say got under Auburn's skin, but I really like how that they were participating and um interacting with the game. Um and that was really fun to see and hear. Um You know, I'm surprised to hear you say that because you know, I, I was kind of disappointed in the A and M fans. We've heard so much good stuff about A and M and how their heckling is fantastic and we all know that like the entire crowd gets in it for the ball five chant and anything beyond that. But the, I guess it's the student section in the upper deck, the, the main heckling crew, all they did the entire game was just chant the pitcher's name. And it sounded (laughs) like they were at a soccer game. It's like, it, I mean, if that's the only material you've got, then Section 111 is going to blow you out of the water any day of the week. See, I love that, though. I mean, See, I don't... It, it was fun for a little while, but when it was three or four or five innings at a time, it was like, guys, come up with some new material, please. Yeah, I understand what you're saying as well, but, I mean, I, I loved it, um, in my opinion. <laughs> but, like you said... Um, I can see how it could get old after five or six innings. Um, but, but you're right. It, it, it can get under your skin, and I think Auburn did a really good job of not letting it bother them too much. Yeah, well, because at first I wasn't really able to um, tell exactly what they were saying. Um, when they were chanting, like, um, Elliot's name, um, Cody's name on Saturday, I wasn't able to exactly – tell exactly what they were saying but then 
Richard got on the mound, and you could tell Richard. You could tell Richard, and I was like, "Yeah, I don't know if I like this." But then I, <laughs> and but then it came on to it, like it just rubbed onto me. I don't know why. But well, they they were they were incredibly persistent, and you yeah. and I and many others who have been in section one eleven know just the toll on your voice and your throat that a you know heckling for innings on end can do and for you know them to be as you know consistent throughout the game I think was really impressive and maybe maybe we just need to start singing for now on maybe that'll save us until the the third game of the weekend I think that sounds like a genius idea I don't really want to listen to you sing but I mean Clint just gave us a genius idea oh my goodness so the Tigers finished one and two on the weekend, um, dropping two games at A&M. But looking at the grand scheme of things, if you look at Friday night, we, we lost. I mean, do, looking after that game on Friday night, would you have thought that we would have won Saturday, Saturday or Sunday's game, knowing what pitching we had left? No, not really. And I, I this is kind of where you know my my thinking on Elliott's one pitch mistake comes in I don't think Auburn played a losing game on Sunday you know A&M just took advantage of the mistake and Auburn couldn't capitalize on anything going forward so typically you know if you go back to like the Mississippi State weekend it felt like Auburn lost games or you look at Arkansas game three it felt like Auburn lost that game but this one just it didn't feel that way it felt like Auburn was right there and so I think as a takeaway, you can know that Auburn played really good baseball in College Station and, again, one of the best atmospheres and hardest places to win a game. So I think that's really encouraging, especially after the kind of, you know, two or three weeks that this team has had. So going forward with, you know, the return visit at Georgia Tech on Tuesday and then hosting Ole Miss – uh, on a Thursday, Friday, Saturday uh, series next week. <clears throat> I mean, Ole Miss is a really good program, but I don't think they've been really that good this year. I mean, they're 25 and 12 overall, but they've they lost two against Kentucky at home. They were able to sweep Florida, who has you know let's be honest, not been really good this year. They took two of three against Arkansas in Fayetteville. Fell two. They lost two games at Missouri and lost a game against Alabama. So, you know, they've they've had a pretty good season. They're not playing their best ball right now. But, and I think Auburn is kind of going back upwards at this point. So this might be a pretty decent time for Auburn to start getting back on track. And I know we've talked a lot about how the beginning of this SEC schedule is just brutal and, it's incredibly difficult the entire season long, but you know Auburn's got Ole Miss this weekend, and then next week they travel up to Vanderbilt, which is going to be an incredibly difficult task. Then you got Alabama, Georgia, and LSU. You know you've got a couple more weekends left that you still have to win at least six or seven more games. Auburn, you have got to get to fifteen wins before conference uh, tournament starts, and. I think if there's any good chance to get a really good jump on that, it's this weekend against Ole Miss. Yeah, I would agree, um, especially with Ole Miss being on a two-game losing streak. Um, after losing to a 
struggling, struggling uh, Kentucky team um, this past weekend. They lost a doubleheader, um, I think, on Saturday. I may be wrong. It could, yeah, Sunday. Um, they lost a doubleheader on Sunday to Kentucky. So encouraging signs um, for Auburn, um, definitely. And I do agree with you, Clint. I think this could be kind of the tipping turning slash turning point in the season. But well, and uh, I think if you if, if you look at it, knowing Auburn is eight and seven in the conference, Auburn's only two games out of first place, which is. It really impressive and tells you just how difficult this conference is this year. But if Auburn's able to get two wins against Ole Miss, Auburn really needs to steal one against Vanderbilt, and you get two against Alabama, I mean, that's putting you pretty much right where you need to be. Yeah. And then you've got Georgia and LSU, which are two very difficult series right now. So I think that's really what you need. Auburn needs to win at least two against Ole Miss steal one against Vanderbilt, and win two against Alabama. I think that's what your next three weeks really need to look like. And if you want to kind of track how this team is doing, that's what you need to judge it on. Yes, I I would agree with that. And um, that would give us 13 wins. And then um, – still one, still one from Georgia and LSU, and there you go. You've hit the magic number. Well, I mean, yes, still one, definitely. But I would – I like how that Georgia series is at Plainsman Park. Yes, um, absolutely. I know, know Georgia is a very good baseball team. They're playing very good baseball right now, but uh, you can't underestimate the home park factor um, in college baseball, especially um, with a unique field design like Auburn's, um, how the left field wall kind of juts out right there. I really, I don't, I don't know why, but I feel like that could be a factor later on in the season. Um, so hopefully that comes in to help us. But anyways, uh, Auburn also has a midweek game, like we were saying earlier, versus Georgia Tech. They beat us uh, nine to three earlier in the year, um, and that game is slated for five Central Time, six Eastern Time on um, on Tuesday. But I think that. Um, just about does it um, for this this episode. Um, but before we head out, and I th- I'm ashamed because I think I have forgotten to to remind you and to remind myself to do this on the past few episodes. But we got to have our Hitchcock Hecklers Players of the Week. I mean, <laughs> I mean, what are we thinking? Hey, so, you're the one making the show notes and the schedule, so that's on you, buddy. Well, so I'm going to go – my player of the week is going to be a guy that has struggled so far this season, but it looks like he's getting back on track in Stephen Williams. Um, Ooh, had, our, our first non-pitcher. Yes. Um, I'm just I, – I love how Stephen performed uh, this weekend. Um, he looked, looked solid, had two hits on Friday, uh, two hits on Saturday – and uh, he did, he was hit hitless on Sunday, but four hits on the weekend. I like how how he's trending, and I just um I liked how Stephen Williams looked. So shout out to Stephen. I, I think that's a good pick, and and I was afraid you were gonna pick um, Brooks Fuller, 
because of the amazing outing he had. And I thought I would have had the first non-pitcher if you had done that. But I think I'm I think I'm going to go with Brooks. I think that just the way that he was able to rebound against such a talented squad in A&M is really encouraging. And I think that he's going to be a big part of this pitching staff going forward. But my my second choice and honorable mention at this point is Connor Davis. I, I just really like the way that he's playing right now and coming into his own and, you know, kind of finally figuring out his role on this team and, and playing to it. So I think both of those guys and Steven are just very worthy of being kind of the you know player of the week like we try to do. And I'd hope that all three of them and the rest of this team just continue to, to roll. I mean, it's, it's a long season and there's still, still a good bit left to go. Yep. I totally agree with uh, those choices there and Brooks and Connor. Well, before we head out, let's tell the people how they can connect with us. Um, you can find me on Twitter at C Fullman 30, C F U L L M A N three zero. Clint, how can the people find you? You can follow me on Twitter at ClintAU24, and you can check out my website, the Auburn Uniform Database, at auburnuniforms.com. All right, well, that'll do it for this episode of Hitchcock Hecklers, and until next time, War Eagle. War Eagle. Before you get out of here, we want to remind you of a couple of things. Head over to E2Cnetwork.com, our website where you can find everything that you'll ever need from us, podcasts, blogs, and even ways to help support the show. If you want to find individual episodes, you can download all of these on iTunes, SoundCloud, and Google Play. So until we see you again, I want to remind you of one thing, that here at the network, we believe in Auburn and love it. The only question remains, do you?